1: He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spudman, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spudman.
2: It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister.
3: It's Spud Goodman. Greetings. I am Spud Goodman.
2: (laughs) Spud Goodman.
3: (laughs) Welcome one and all to our radio show. Though I may not be a stable genius, I do understand, though size isn't everything in life, let's be honest, most are size people, okay? So so I'm asking that our micro-tiny radio program still be taken seriously and not openly ridiculed. If you cannot control your judgmental tendencies, then I understand. But, you know, would it kill you to give us a shot here? You could still point at us and snicker. I get it, but... You know, I would be very grateful for the opportunity to entertain you, the listener, for the next 58 minutes. You know, it will be at least as satisfying as taking out, you know, that garbage that's been stacking up or scrolling through all of your, you know, fake news feed on Facebook. So with that said, I will now introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give us a (laughs) state-of-the-art chuckle.
4: (laughs) Well, maybe not my best, but I feel pretty good about it.
5: Yeah,
3: it wasn't bad. Anyway, (laughs) thank you, though. Uh, Now I must also introduce our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Please do the bare minimum here, uh, acknowledging my acknowledgement.
6: Well, I, as you know, Spud, have never been a bare minimum individual, so I will proudly exceed those minimum expectations by exclaiming how proud i am to serve you as co-host on the spud goodman show yeah, yeah. it is an honor to serve in this capacity okay and mo- I moving give- on moving on I'll- during my executive time I yesterday going, yeah.
3: i thought about something i wanted to kick around on the show specifically whether to maintain contact with people you knew in like junior high and high school they are not our friend You know, with social media these days, you can locate people you were in daycare with. So, you know, how far back should we go in Hmm. in not turning our backs on our past? It's something that most people are faced with nowadays.
4: Oh, Oh, do you stay in touch with those boys you hung out with in school to this day? I felt some of them were hoodlums, so I hope not. No, I mean, none of them
3: did any real time. Come on, I mean, maybe a few did a few weeks in juvie, and later I... I think one guy did do a bunch of hours as an adult on the weekends picking up trash on the highway. Mm-hmm. But, you know, no Shawshank Redemption stuff. You no. know, I, it's, But Not I've, well.
6: I've noticed on this show, you continually refer back to your younger years. Like, uh, that period was the highlight in your life to this point.
5: This guy's been stump since the third grade.
6: You know, it's interesting to hear a man of your age still talk about experiences many many years ago. I find it somewhat strange, but... Well, well I guess okay! I,
3: hey, so I peaked early, uh, like before I graduated from high school.
1: I can handle things! I'm smart!
3: Is that a crime? Does that make me a weirdo? Oh, Spud,
4: dear, I don't think you're a weirdo, but you right. have always been mm. a bit different from most people.
3: I I guess. But but if I was 100% normal, I never would have gotten a TV talk show. And now this radio show. Uh Who wants to listen to some well-adjusted, certifiably sane host who bores the crap out of everyone?
6: Yeah. You know, I I don't think sanity is a negative. (laughs) I'm sure there's an official psychological term for people who remain, uh, you know, attached to the long, distant past. Uh, Can I ask why you feel you peaked in your teen years?
3: Well, I mean... That's the period of time where I had the most fun, you know, in my life. I I mean, I could do just about anything, and no one other than the parents, you know, of my friends, who would look down on me. They were very judgy.
4: (laughs) I do remember the parents of all those who were not your friends calling your father and mother about those toilet papering attacks you would make on their houses. Uh Especially when it was wet out. Well,
3: if it is war they want, then war they shall have! I mean, that was something I was very good at. Oh, yeah. Both both handling the command and control of the operations, and I also had a good arm. You know, for for the job to be successfully done, you have to have total coverage of the dwelling, the surrounding trees and shrubbery, and two-ply is a must. Yes!
6: But in in those years, I was focusing on college and, of course, my two-year mission. Have you given any thought to how much further in life you would be right now, if not for your aimless teen years? It seems to me like you wasted this part of your life. Wasted? Seriously? Seriously. Well, I mean, if not wasted, maybe how about misappropriated? (laughs) I I sure wouldn't want to serve. Uh, You couldn't be a role model for our youth, for example. Like, hopefully, if any youth are listening right now, they're in the company of a responsible adult that will counsel them on the ramifications that would ensue if they followed in your rebellious footsteps.
4: What's your name, scumbag? Oh, he does have a point there, Spud. Thank kids, you. Well, yes, and I have to say kids should not try to emulate you in any
3: fashion. Well, well, maybe not, but both Charles Barkley and I you know, have said this in the past. We are not role models. That should be wow. left to, to guys like Tom Hanks and most of the guys in that E Street band. Uh, but anyway, speaking of bands, it's time for our musical guest, who I will be speaking with a little later on in the program. These guys have a brand new record out titled Never Ending, and... And uh, yeah, so here is Spirit Award.
5: Once you know (laughs)
0: Show. <laughs> this
7: is a Spud Goodman Show.
0: Hey, this is Sarah Silverman, and I am on the Spud
2: Goodman Show. I don't know how my career got this low.
6: Say, uh, Spud. Yeah. What, your first guest, Robert Wagner, is waiting to speak with you. Okay, very cool. This man is a true Hollywood legend. Yeah, he's done and seen it all in his career. If you could ever say that, in, in this case, it is so true. Well, my wife and I are big fans. We especially love him uh, now. He's on NCIS, but yeah. he, he's not on the show nearly enough for you know his true fans. Yes. I, I think he's worked in
3: film and television for over 60 years. Wow. You know, his, his IMDB credits take up a
6: couple gigs. So, you know, I've really, really wanted to interview him for some time. Is there anything you really want to ask him? Like, um, uh, what movie star in real life was not very nice? Or, or maybe, what movie star was really nice? Or, or possibly, uh, like, what movie star was somewhat nice? I have some or... questions
3: I want to ask, but let's see how it goes, okay? D- don't try to get into my head here. and and plant stuff that that you would want to ask them.
4: People can't figure me out. They can't process me. I don't expect them to. You can't process me with a normal brain.
3: That technique is very manipulative. Well, Uh, Hey, when you get your own show, you can think up your own questions. Jeez, okay. I I was just wondering if you were going to ask uh, me. Please, don't wonder, okay? Because that is not in your job description. Just put him through. Uh, Here he is. Welcome to the show, Hollywood legend, actor, and author, Robert Wagner. We appreciate you coming on our show.
8: Well, thank you so much for having me. How's everything up in Seattle today?
3: Excellent, excellent. So you have a new book out titled, I Loved Her, In the Movies, Memories of Hollywood's Legendary Actresses, published by Random House. Mr. Wagner, I'd rather address you as that rather than Robert, as we haven't shared a cognac or had dinner together. So, Mr. Wagner, let me start with this. Is it hard not to fall in love with your co-star in movies and TV, if in character you're supposed to be in love with them?
8: Yeah, it's a little hard. <laughs> because they're all so special.
3: Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And, uh,
8: and these ladies, you know, uh, I had the fortune of working with these women, and I, I just, uh, you know, I, this book is a tribute to these ladies because they gave up so much for all of us. And uh, that's what Scott and I, you know, Scott and I have written two other books together. Right. And uh, we, uh, you know, both had these feelings about these women, and we started talking about them. And we thought, well, why don't we try to put this down and make a proposal to to a, a, <clears throat> a publisher and see if we can't if they have some interest. And they did. And so we started to put this book together. And as I said, it really is a tribute to all of them. You know, they, it's very difficult to be an actress. It's. Uh, Uh, much more difficult than being a leading man.
3: But let me ask you this one. This is what I wanted to ask you. In 1951, you did a screen test with Marilyn Monroe for the movie Let's Make It Legal. You both must have had great chemistry as you were cast together along with Claudette Colbert. Did you know then that Marilyn was special, that she brought something different to the screen?
8: Well, I, I did both of Marilyn Monroe's tests. And I knew her. We were all, you know, young kids starting off in the picture business, trying to be trying to be somebody, trying to be recognized, you know? And she was so wonderful. She had great sense of humor and wonderful laugh. And she, you know, she was so much fun. And it's just a very special lady. And you knew that she had something special. But I never thought, I don't think anybody at that time ever thought that she'd have the impact that she has.
3: Right. Well, um, let me, moving on a little bit, 1972... You co-starred with one of the all-time great actresses, Betty Davis, in *Madam Sin. Now, she had a reputation yes. for being kind of grumpy at times. Did she ever go off on you on the set?
8: No, she never did. She saw me in a... I, I did a television series called uh, It Takes a Thief, uh-huh. and she liked that very much. And I said, would you like to be on the show? And uh, she said yes, and we wrote a part for her and all of that kind of thing. But on Madame Sin, I produced that movie, and I, I thought that character was so great for her. I, I thought that that was going to be going to be a, a, have a chance to really go someplace, but it never did. It, you know, it just we just made the pilot, and that was it. You know?
3: I see. You know, well, grumpy people kind of interest me, and she's kind of legendary. But I, I got to believe some of it was overblown, right? I mean, she must have been actually pretty pleasant or she wouldn't have worked for so many years and you know
8: had well, she had a terrific sense of humor yes you know she had a wonderful sense of humor and she wasn't grumpy she was uh, demanding in a sense that what was right for her you know and uh, it was tough to get you know the parts that she wanted and the the characters that she wanted i mean the risks that she took in the behavior that she had on the screen, uh, I think, are just you know, it's just remarkable.
6: Right. as uh, Spud. Yes. Well, if I may interject here. Betty Davis might have had a reputation of being occasionally difficult and, and dare I say, rude at times. But in your case, this show is verified proof that you are Mr. Grumpy yourself. I doubt Betty Davis's best tantrum could stack up against, you know, one of your average ones.
3: Aw, Mr. Wagner, uh, just one moment. I don't throw tantrums. That's fake news. Well, as your aunt, I have to
4: say... That when you have an empty stomach, you have been known to act out a bit, Scott. I know I've seen some major tantrums from you over the years.
3: you're making me sound like a total prima donna to the listeners, Aunt Dorothy. Yeah,
5: you, you know,
6: are. It's lucky you have your own show, as people like you always seem to get away with that behavior. If I was unhappy about something here on the show, and I made a scene, I would be fired, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, who would put up with a, a Crybaby co-host?
3: I mean, because we could find another one fast. I, I just put a you know an ad on Craig's list in an hour or so. We'd have the position filled. Well. But just let me get back to our guest. Hey, Mr. Wagner, I'm back. Sorry about that. You're known as a, somewhat of a historian of Hollywood. You've written extensively uh, on the oh. leading figures of the entertainment industry and, and actually the neighborhoods where, where they lived. I've read some of your stuff. Back before there were like in-and-outs and every you know every few miles in the L.A. area when the Brown Derby was hopping and the Polo Lounge wasn't filled by tourists. Do you miss the old Hollywood?
8: Yes, I do very much. And that whole era has gone.
3: Yeah.
5: That's,
8: that's gone away. You know, those restaurants, those clubs... It's all a different scene now. You know, everything changes as, uh, you know, society evolves and new things come along, and that just is not in the air anymore. There's not not those clubs, that kind of entertaining. It's all different.
3: Do you ever drop by, like, I don't know, from Musso and Frank's, I could go on and on, any places and just stop in and just (laughs) say, what the heck happened?
8: Yeah, I do do drop by there once in a while. I, I go by Musso's, and I go by the Beverly... Hotel to the Polo Lounge and some of those places, but, um, you know, they're, they're all gone. I wrote that book, you know. You must remember this. I guess that's what you're referring yes. to. Yes. Scott and I. Yes. Scott and I wrote that book, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's like everything. It changes, you know, it changes. What can you do?
3: Yeah, good Good point. Okay, well, you know, your acting career has spanned over 65 years so far. Uh, did you prefer yep. romantic roles opposite beautiful actresses, or did you actually want to do more westerns with horses or horror movies opposite monsters?
8: I uh, I like it when they call me to do a role. <laughs> you know, actors uh, wait, and they they, they they the producers say, hey, how would he be? And uh, you get a script, and it comes along, and you, you know, I, I don't get kind of... I don't kind of look for specific things. I just kind of wait to see what's going to happen. And I've been very fortunate and very lucky in the breaks that I've had so far, you know?
3: How many total films have you done?
8: Oh, I've I've done quite a few. I've done a lot of television, you know. I've done a lot of television. and You know, I do NCIS now, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'll be starting doing that in February. I do another one. And... uh, you know, I I've, I've just been so very fortunate. And my career has been, you know, uh, it's, it's I've had great luck, great fortune.
3: Yeah, well, you you yeah, you see you have done quite well and entertained millions and millions of people. So, well, let let me close with this. This is my standard question, but for you we actually need like an hour or so for you to answer completely, but we don't have the time. But is there a most memorable <laughs> moment just in, you know, in the industry making films and TV? Is there anything at all that just this jumps out at you, uh, a story at all?
8: Well, gosh, I've, that's kind of a difficult question you're asking me. I, I mean, I, I think what jumps out at me is that you never know what's going to happen in this business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's magic when it works. And, um, you know, you've got to have the right producer, the right piece of material, the right time for the release, the casting, the writing, the direction—I mean, it's so there's so many points to make, making a movie, and so many factions that when it works, it truly is magic. So you got to have luck, you got to have fortune, and I've—I've I've had both of those, and I'm very, very grateful for that.
3: Luck and fortune, ding. I- Hopefully someday I'll meet up with that. But anyway, all right. Well, let me remind everyone that your new book, I Loved Her in the Movies, Memories of Hollywood's Legendary Actresses, is now available at bookstores everywhere and online. I want to thank you so much for coming on our show.
8: Oh, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure
0: for me.
3: Thank you so much, Mr. Robert Wagner.
0: Bud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment.
2: He had no money. He had no sense in his brain. He
5: was Spud Goodman, but that didn't get in his way. He was a blind receiver
0: on the wall of shame. And all the people joined in. Was it like how he swayed? Because he like damn
5: Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Spud. Goodman. Spud,
0: Goodman. Spud. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, uh, uh Spud. Yeah, the show's
6: resident psychic is ready to go. All right, let, let's get him. Do your do his plug. Oh, and Let's do this. Right, Come right, on, right, right. Uh, Ted Mar can be heard each Friday, two to four p.m. on KKNW eleven fifty a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Here he is.
3: Say hey to our show's resident psychic, Mr. Ted Mar. Thanks for doing this segment, as our listeners really love you.
7: Oh, well, thank you, Spud. I love being here. You're, it's always so much fun to talk to you.
3: All right, super. So I was wondering if you could check in with the late actress Farrah Fawcett, as she was both a really cool person and also very attractive. I mean, I, I mean, what teenage boy in the early '80s didn't have a Farrah Fawcett swimsuit poster on his bedroom wall? I mean, I, I was a grown adult in that era, and I had one on mine. Uh, you know, just give it a shot and see if you can get in touch with her, because I, you know, I have time. I can wait.
7: Okay, give me a minute here. It's a little bit like tele- telephoning somebody in this dimension. Right. If, if they're free and they're available, that they answer the phone if they want to talk to you. Hold on. No worries. Oh, my God. What a beautiful soul. Oh, my goodness. She's covered completely uh, in, in this beautiful white and golden light. She's like an angel. Yeah, well. And she's so happy. She is here, and um, she's doing as much. She's very concerned about the planet. But she knows that that, that humanity is ascending, that things are getting better, even though it may not look like it. But but she's an angel for the planet. For many people, she's an angel. Super. She has become an angel on the other side. You know, what a beautiful spirit. Wow, that's, that's good to know. Uh, you
3: know, she wow. left her left um, after her first season and only did a few more guest appearances on Charlie's Angels. But ask her if, if, looking back, she feels that maybe the show got the short end of the stick by critics. I mean, it wasn't like that downtown Abbey or whatever it's called. I mean, it was pretty cool. Uh, but a lot of the reviews for Charlie's Angels called it like, well, they said it was kind of bad, actually, and called it a jiggle TV show. Because it's funny, you never, ever hear them call a TV show with guys jiggle. TV. Uh, you know, I'm just saying uh, that, that's another story for, you know, anyway, could ask her what she thinks.
7: Well, she said it was unfair criticism. Um, looking at it from, from this side now, um, uh, actually, it was a good thing that it didn't continue because they wanted her to do things that were against her um, ethics oh. uh, on the show. And I don't know I, I, without more time to go into it, but she said everything worked out the way it should have been, but um it's it's good it didn't continue she said only because um, yeah they were doing things some things against her grain um, that she didn't like yeah. and she was glad that and, and that's what she just said sorry to hear that
3: well you know, I was yeah. always always wondered if Fair approved of Cheryl Ladd taking her place on this show even even though you know she you know Fair wanted out of her contract um, but it had to be kind of like when someone breaks up with a boyfriend but still cares enough to prefer that he start dating someone less cool ask her if she still watched the show when Cheryl was in the cast.
7: Uh, she did, she did, and oh. she was. She said she was very highly critical about what things that she thought that she made. She 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 went uh, made mistakes on. Um she uh, uh, She said that was. It was. She was okay. Not as good as she was, of course. But of course. she was okay. You know, as a substitute, you know. Uh, Spud,
6: yes. Well, I don't want to offend the fans of the late Farrah Fawcett, but. I, myself, preferred Cheryl Ladd over her in Charlie's Angels. You know, Cheryl connected more on a visceral level with the audience, I feel. Uh, You know, maybe it was her uh, girl-next-door presence, you know?
3: Uh, Hey, Ted, I need a brief moment here. Yeah. You know, I have never understood that label, the girl-next-door. None of my neighbors over the years were hotter or even
6: mildly attractive. I think almost all of them were grumpy old men, actually. You can't take the term literally. I just felt that Cheryl was more the, uh all-american girl you know Ferris seemed more like the unattainable woman like a supermodel
3: all-american girl what does that even mean well, uh, like an attractive woman who might be 10% French or, or Dutch would lose points come on Cheryl Ladd would never ever have gone out with you well bank on it just dream on let <laughs> me get back to Ted though now you're really messing me up here Well, could you tell her that though I have taken down her swimsuit poster on my bedroom wall, I still have a copy of the Playboy magazine she did when she turned 50? I thought it was tastefully done. And yes, back then I was a little bit disappointed because of that, but I've kept it over all these years.
7: She's blushing now. She said thank you. What a sweet comment, she said.
3: All right. Okay. Well, you know, all right, Ted, well, let Farron know we still love her and we will never, ever forget her, would you?
7: I sure will. She's listening right now and she's she's giving you a, a kiss on the forehead. Do you feel that?
3: Uh, maybe I do, yeah. Well, hey, yeah. thanks a whole bunch for doing our show once again. This has been kind of special for me.
7: Well, I always like getting in touch with angels like Ferret Fawcett on the other side and she's definitely an angel. Now. What a beautiful sweet soul she is. All
3: right. There you have it, Mr. Ted Marr.
4: I know... Spud
1: Goodman
6: Show, it's okay? Uh, You know, Spud, getting back to what we were talking about, uh, specifically, you living in the past, still reveling in accomplishments achieved when you were a teenager, uh, well, it, it just seems somewhat tragic, you know? What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, just because
3: you probably had a horrible time as a kid, no, don't let your jealousy get the better of you. I oh, understand brother. people like yourself never actually did the stuff you really wanted to do when you were you know younger like, you know me, I did just about everything that any teenage boy wanted to check out. Why? Because I could. I'm Teddy Powers.
4: Yeah, that's not an exaggeration, Spud dear. You put your parents through hell. It's a good thing they were so detached and so into their own interests, or hmm. I think they would have possibly sent to you to a military school or something. Yeah, they, I heard some about I that. Yeah, were you but... ever even put on yeah. restriction as a kid? I don't remember that ever happening. Well,
3: I th- I think I was put on like a week's restriction one time you know I that was when I took one of my mom's bras to elementary school my my fifth grade teacher Mr. Carlson got really torqued off you know when he caught me in the bathroom giving some guys lessons on how to unhook them it's not that easy
4: Oh, boy, I do remember something about that incident. Didn't
3: you get suspended, too? Yeah, but for like two days. It was during the uh, World Series, and back then they were all day
6: games. So it worked out pretty well for
3: me. <laughs>
6: <You> no, <know, laughs> seriously. I, no, no. But so it, lying, if actually. you ever did have children of your own, yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess it's a blessing that never happened. As I, 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 I bet you would revel in telling them all about your goings on at that age. And it, I got to tell you, it could well be the impetus towards a life of crime or or worse, possibly pornography.
1: Don't be so overly dramatic about it.
6: Porn? Really? Oh, no, that would
4: never happen. He has never been into that sort of thing. His dad gave him a subscription to Playboy on his 16th birthday. And I know for a fact, after his dad was through with them, Spud never even peeked at them. That's ridiculous. It was strange,
3: for sure. Well, that's not a true story. Hmm. As I mentioned, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed... You know, the Farrah Fawcett issue. And uh, I, I've probably, you know, peeked at a few others over the years. But yeah, you're, you're right. Those kind of magazines don't really do much for me. I, I, to be frank, I'd I just rather look at pictures and say, uh, you know, a metal detector's bi-monthly publication because they're very cool. You would be amazed at some of the stuff that people find with their metal detectors. <laughs> you, th- uh, you may laugh. No, you may yes. laugh. But tch, they, they found people uh, have found some amazing things. That's encouraging. But I
6: find that encouraging to hear. Yeah. But, so could I ask... What would you consider to be your greatest achievement as a youngster? There you go again with that youngster word. You, you mean as a kid, right? That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Well,
3: I, I, okay. I would have to say scoring 42 points in a basketball game in the eighth grade.
8: You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes.
3: Um, we lost, uh, but it was a school record.
4: Um, Spud, mm. I don't recall that myself. I went to most of your games in those years but maybe I missed that game,
6: uh, Mrs. Jarvitz. I-, I thought you said Spud was not a very good basketball player. That it was his sister Sophia who was the real player in the family.
4: Oh, wow, Spud, forty-two points is a lot of points.
6: Yeah, it might have been well, a bit
4: less, huh? Oh, well, I I think pretty sure it's 42. Well, I'm sure you had a great game, but it would have been
3: nice to have seen it.
6: Yeah, besides sports, were there any other achievements that you value well, to this day? You
3: mentioned that I, I was selected the most popular boy in the 10th my 10th grade class and really? also most likely to be a movie star after graduation. I don't think so being picked as as the most popular boy was cool but seriously the movie star thing was what i believe inspired me later to get into cable tv it was, it was just a defining moment huh. in my life
4: again i don't remember your parents sharing that with me but look it, i'm uh,
3: sure they didn't want to you know sound like they were bragging about me as you know, you,
6: you never had kids. Okay, then. I had no idea you were so popular when you were younger. I mean, as an adult, or or at least now, the truth is you seem to rub most people the wrong way.
5: I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on.
6: Not me, of course, but, but pretty much everyone else. I guess you did peak way back then.
3: Well, at least I peaked.
6: Mmm. Oh, that is terrific.
3: Why don't you just go check and see if our
6: next guest is ready to go, man? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, and, and I'm being told by the board, your next guest, Jordan Klepper, is on the line holding. All
3: right, you know, it wasn't that long ago he was on the show, but I didn't get to all the stuff. You know, I didn't get to the stuff I wanted to ask him, so right, I know know,
6: I know you're a fan of all the shows on Comedy Central, but I just can't get over their unfair treatment of President Trump, who won in a historic landslide. A giant, beautiful, massive... The biggest ever in our country. You know, they even have a show on that network with an actor pretending he's President Trump. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's called entertainment. Uh, I can
3: think of a buttload of comedians over the years who have made their living, you know, doing their takes on our president. You start with Von Meter, you know, doing JFK way back, and then you got David Fry doing Nixon, and go from there to now the dude playing Trump on the president's show on Comedy Central. You know, Jordan doesn't do a Trump impersonation. He, he just covers the news of the day and puts his spin on it. And, and the hashtag sad fact is our, our very ugly American
6: in chief dominates it. We
1: are going to start winning big league.
6: Yeah, maybe so. But, you know, you would think they could say something nice about him. Well, maybe they
3: will. When he deserves it, Whoa. you know. Hey, I, I, I got to jump in here about this. I forgot to mention it earlier in the show. We are now being aired in South Africa at Hashtag Radio, which is located in Cape Town. You know, and I was thinking the host of the Daily Show on Comedy Central, Trevor Noah, yeah, is from South Africa, so he could actually listen to this show when he's back home visiting, or you know, I, I guess he could stream it, you know, when he's in New York too. But anyway, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is. But j- just, just put Jordan through. Yo, here he is. Welcome back to the show from Comedy Central. Jordan Klepper, host of The Opposition with Jordan Klepper, airing weeknights at 11.30 p.m., 10.30 Central. Thanks a bunch for checking in with us. Spud, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Again, your program is titled The Opposition with Jordan Klepper. You know, I should say I also like having my name in the show title, too. I I like it a lot. I like it a lot. You know,
2: it it really helps. It's... uh... I don't know if it makes me egotistical, but I think it it makes me egotistical.
3: Well, hey, hey, whatever. But, you know, but can I ask you this? I I want to hit you with this right away. Are you a genius? Because that seems to be important right now,
2: you know? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm smart enough not to label myself a genius. Let's let's put it that way. Whether that makes me a genius or slightly underneath, you know, I'll let I'll let the public decide, Um, although maybe that's in vogue now. And I should just go out and call myself a very stable genius, uh, uh, in which case great can uh, sign me up
3: all right all right there we have it for the record well (laughs) you know in the u.s we feel we're now living in in a really you know well-written satire on american culture that you know that it's maybe just a bad dream and we're all going to wake up soon and and say damn that was freaky but entertaining what do you think
2: (laughs) i mean i do think we are it, it feels like such a very strange time to to live in everybody i talk to feels discombobulated no matter what side of the aisle you're on. If you're left or if you're right, if you're left, you're looking at this Trump administration and it feels like the world is in chaos and upside down. And the right, you feel like you have a big victory, but you're being attacked like you've never been attacked before. And so I think no matter how you look at it, things are changing and it feels new. I think it feels ridiculous day in and day out. That's how I'm seeing it. I think that's what we kind of try to harness some of that ridiculousness and, and blow it out to a way where we can, we can find some laughter in it because some days it can get dark.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're also in, uh, like, on a station in the UK and also brand new in, in South Africa. And I'm just wondering what they're thinking right now. And I don't know. It's, just, it's kind of embarrassing, you know.
2: But, but <laughs> it is a little embarrassing. I mean, the UK is going through Brexit as well. They have some, some giant upheaval. I think there's this, this rise of nationalism that's taking place here and elsewhere. I think people feel like stuff is changing. People are holding on to their own more than they used to. And feels like there's more rhetoric of divisiveness now and so I, I I think people look at America I hear people from afar look at America and they they, they they laugh and they roll their eyes but I think what we're seeing here is also being echoed elsewhere
3: right well you know you do segments that are sometimes not extremely flattering of our current administration do you or your what? staff
2: well do you what? Or your
3: staff ever worry about being jailed or or even worse being called names on Twitter like jerky Jordan?
2: <laughs> oh I'll take jerky Jordan. Okay. I mean, if I could be crowned with a tweet by Donald Trump, I I would one hundred percent take it. I mean, the, what what he has already done for book sales in America is impressive. Like, yeah. if if he rips on something and says it's fake news, everybody turns their their eyes right towards it and picks it up. So I would be I would be honored to be jailed by Donald Trump.
3: All right, you know, be on the lookout for Jerky Jordan. I just I I, I don't know. I feel that coming.
2: But anyway, it's, it's got some nice alliteration.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, you know, on the show, we're talking about looking back on our youth. You know, I've admitted that it's quite possible. I peaked well before I graduated from yeah, high school. How about you? <laughs> I mean, not professionally, but personally, do you do you look back finally or would you rather forget your formative years?
2: <laughs> uh, I look back finally. I had I had a pretty great upbringing. I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I, I was lucky with a great family great opportunities uh i'm pretty happy with where life is now i think uh i think i i look back happily but i'm like eh, a little bit more excited about what's going to happen next
3: right well i i in the social land i guess it really gets down to if you could you know get a date or not in those years How, how'd you do I mean, yeah,
2: <laughs> you know what? i did i did okay i'm married now and happy that like i could focus on just that and not the stress of figuring out if people like me now that i'm married, you know, I. We did, I, I assume I'm liked at least to some degree, at least a degree that I am, I am happy with and willing to move forward on. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not 20 years younger and, and, and worrying about whether or not uh, I've, I've been swiped left or right. And see, that's the thing. I'm, right now, I'm in a point. I, I, I don't even know which direction to swipe, so I don't know if I could even get back in the game.
3: Yeah, but the thing is, you're swipeable. I'm not. I mean, I, I'm
2: envious, <coughs> but anyway. All right. Oh come on, you're swipeable. I'm uh, sure there's some swipes out there,
6: uh, Spud. Yeah. I, well, I don't understand what this swiping right or left is, but as Jordan says, I wouldn't label yourself a pariah socially. Yeah. I, I know most women don't particularly enjoy spending time with you, but there has to be a woman out there who would be willing to compromise her expectations and give you a chance. Uh, Jordan, I'll be back in a sec. Yeah. I don't know.
3: I have kind of tried everything to upgrade my appeal and, and not had much luck. Yeah. I, I even bought one of those laser combs, you know, to make my hair what you know, what hair I have left, yeah, yeah, you know, seem thicker yeah. and more lustrous, uh, lustre, whatever that word is. Yeah. It, it's tough to compete these days with all the young guys with great hair, and, and, you know. And man. They're going after older women now, too! My pool of potential girlfriends! That's what I'm talking about
4: here, and it's not fair! Oh no, you still have that woman, Amber, who's stalking
3: you. I mean, she seems kind of nice. Yeah, Amber's cool, but having a
6: stalker to go out with is not the same thing as a regular date. Mm. I still say, you are looking for women in the wrong places. You should try church, And, and I mean any church. I don't think so. You know, my soul is
3: somewhat compromised. But, you know, I just got to get back to Jordan. All right, I'm back. Okay. Jordan, if you could go back in your life, what event, if any, would you want to change? Like, did you ever, say, snitch on someone in school and later learn that, you know, he or she was actually innocent? Or just something in your past that you... <laughs>
2: That's such a benign question that you then set up as if I, you want me to confess to some kind of crime. It's like, just one little thing, like, did you show life? At which... But I want to make it very clear, I've, I've been nothing but good my entire life. There was that one time, but he's better off now, and he took a fall for a crime, whether or not he did it or didn't do it. He's in a better place, I'm in a better place. I have a TV show, I have power, I will sick my lawyers on him. Can we please move on?
3: All right. Well, well stated. All right. Super. Well, you know, you worked with John Stewart on the Daily Show. With with all that's going on now, do you, do you think he sometimes feels the need to do at least like an opening monologue a few nights a week alone at his house just to get it out of his system?
2: <laughs> I think probably. I think John was such a smart and impassioned guy who would kind of come in every single morning with such great eyes on the news and so articulate about the way in which the world was unfolding. Um, I'm, I, I'm sure he appreciates having a little bit of a breathing, uh, can take a breather and not be inundated and rip out all of the hair that he has left uh, day in and day out. But, but if I know John, John is getting his opinions out somewhere, whether that's the wall in his house or somewhere else. Uh, that's a creative guy who eventually those opinions are coming out.
3: Right, you know, I know when I stop doing this show, I'm probably gonna do a few pretend shows a couple of times a week. You know, when I'm off the air, you know, just kind of ease out of it. That's just me. But anyway.
2: Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep practicing. That's you know, right. it, it, even if a pretend show is only a pretend show if uh, you call it out.
3: Right. All right. Well, okay. I'm gonna end this by asking, you know, what has been your most memorable moment now doing your own show on Comedy Central?
2: I mean, I gotta tell you, our. First, we've had so many really fun, wild, weird shows. I, uh, it came out, Donald Trump's diet recently, in a book by Corey Lewandowski, where uh, he yeah. eats two Big Macs, two of fishes and a um, chocolate malt. And so we thought that was a pretty outrageous diet to fuel the commander-in-chief, so I did a show where I ate that over the act while covering um, his recent decision uh, around Jerusalem. And I think, for me, that really encapsulated what this show is, which is uh, overwhelming, uh, occasionally nauseous, but willing to take those big swigs slash bites.
3: Wow, you took one for the team. What were your vitals after that episode? Uh,
2: hey. <laughs> they were not good. I uh, uh, I was basically in a food coma for the next day and a half, you know what? But, but I felt strong. Right,
3: super. Okay, well, let me remind everyone once again that The Opposition with Jordan Klepper airs weeknights on Comedy Central at 1130, 1030 Central, Hey, man, we really appreciate you coming back on our show.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having me. All
3: right, Mr. Jordan Klepper. For a genuine musical treat, tune in to the
1: Inspired
2: show. show,
3: radio's famous program that takes you on a magic carpet of melody to a world of beauty. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Uh, so, welcome spirit award to the show gentlemen please state for the record your name and blood type and before you do i also i just want to throw this out for people that can't actually see you right this moment you guys all have like amazing hair and it's very depressing but anyway go ahead
1: (laughs) thank you uh i'm daniel i uh, sing and play guitar
3: i'm chris i'm the utilitarian member
1: i'm terrence uh
2: yeah i got blood i don't know
3: Alright, think His is double O negative. Okay. Alright, that's for the record. Um, so you guys have a new release out now titled It's titled Never Ending, and it's available on Union Zero Records. Please answer this required cliche question: Describe the Spirit Award sound. It's Trying. Not loud. <laughs> loud. Yeah, it's loud. Can't go wrong there. All right. Okay, super. Um, so what was the very first recording each of you guys remember buying? And no worries about you know the embarrassment factors. Mine was a Mickey Mouse Club record.
1: Uh, mine was Beastie Boys' Hello Nasty. Still, still into that one.
3: Mm-hmm. I think mine was Battle of Los Angeles from Raging Against the Machine.
1: I don't know if I bought it, but I found a Steve
8: Miller band Greatest Hits record on a, somebody's lawn.
3: <laughs> All right, super. Yeah. Um, so, let me ask you this. If Spirit Award could uh, hang out with one band in the world for a day, who would it be? Wham. Yeah. Sure,
6: sure. I mean, if he was still alive. Why not?
3: Wham. I mean, half, okay. Half of
6: them are alive, yeah.
3: Well... For me, it'd be like Limp Biscuit, because you know I would have the chance to, to like toss water balloons at Fred Durst, and I, it would all be worth it. I mean, I just, that's just me. Something mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do. So it's on my bucket list. But okay, that all right. Good. So let me hit you. This is kind of a career question. As professional mus- musicians, what would be the one thing Spirit Award would forever ban on their concert writer? Something all three of you despise. He, 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 like he maybe tough question. Like maybe sometimes. Twizzlers, because you guys hard. are Red Vine guys, or something. Uh, no, Blackleggers. IPA beer. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah no See, I think we would we all disagree. IPAs. I would ban Jaeger, mm. but but Terrence orders Jaeger on our rider every time we have one. <laughs> all right. I can live without it, probably.
3: Okay. Um, so what's the name of the next song, and is there an interesting backstory that we can exploit here, you know, to spice things up? Uh,
1: it's called
8: Diving. Um... I don't know the back- backstory we were kind of just we were going through a lot of stuff uh, which is also why we named the album Never Ending because it took so long to finish and we were all going through a lot of personal personal things and the election happening and, uh, so this song kind of came out of that alright super well let's
0: do it
5: alright Time.
1: this is Dick Dale, king of the surf guitar, or king of the surf rock guitar, or king of heavy metal, <laughs> as many say. You're listening to the Spud Goodman Show, and what a great guy he is. But you know what's funny? When I was in the Air Force and they were punishing me, they used to make me peel
5: a hundred spuds. <laughs> My, how
6: time flies. a uh, spud yeah well I, i'm being told that there is a gentleman who has been on hold i guess for quite a while he says he knows you or or he knew you in the past but, you know, we're just about done with the show, so should I have him dump the call or what?
4: Wait, wait. If it's one of your friends I might remember, I would like to hear from them.
3: I, I really don't have much contact with anyone from those days now. I mean, yeah, they were good times. The best of times, actually. But, but I'm not into BSing with some dude who might have been in my Cub Scout pack or something like that.
6: I
0: promise you.
6: Uh, so dump the call. Oh
3: boy, do you, are you
4: guys, you do know that people on hold can hear us now, right? Oh, don't be rude. Just take the damn call, Spud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Get his first
6: name, oh, something. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, hey, Chance. What? What's the caller's first name? Chance. Uh, Chance. The intern is busy on his phone right now. Yeah. I, I think he's playing some game again.
3: Shut the f. Up, Do any of our interns actually do anything around here? Uh, Just put him through. Caller, are you there?
1: Yeah, I am. Spud, it's me, Ricky Jenkins. Ricky Jenkins? You remember me, right? Ricky Jenkins. Ricky Jenkins. We went to school together from kindergarten all the way until Um, we graduated. Ricky Jenkins. Well, I did have to go the GED route. Um, Had some issues my senior year, you know what I mean? Yeah, Uh well... Now do you remember me? I know that, dude. Not really. Uh, did we hang out much? Uh, yeah, we did a bit, and uh, mostly in shop class, but a couple of times we were in the same party.
3: Shop class? I think I flunked shop class, man. I mean, to this day, I'm not real skilled with my hands, so to speak.
4: If you know how I feel, why would you say that?
3: Obviously, you weren't, you know, much help to me. Uh, it's Ricky, huh? Ricky? That's what you go by at your age now? Okay, so, w- what'd you look like back then?
1: I don't know. I had, like, long hair and kind of a mustache. Um, well,
3: I think I recall a Ricky, but he was, like, really skinny. Really, really skinny, like he could fit inside a straw. Uh, And he drove a a Camaro that was, like, primered gray but never painted, if I remember right. Was that you? That's me, dude. I still have that Camaro, by the way.
5: Excellent.
3: Um, hey, did you actually ever paint it? Not
1: yet, but I wanted to say I was, uh, having... I haven't been listening to the show after I saw something on it on Facebook about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky.
3: Okay, I think, but anyway, I, think I remember you. I do think I remember you. I don't,
1: I don't think you were voted most likely to be a movie star.
3: Well, actually, I, oh. I think I was. Um,
1: I, have, I have all my old annuals right here, dude, and, and there's no mention of that happening in your 10th grade.
3: Well, you know, you might have the wrong annual or something. I don't know.
1: Uh, I I have the, I also have my 8th uh, grade annual right here, and you're not even on the basketball team pitcher. <laughs> What's
5: with you, Joe, huh?
4: Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up on the show, but Spud, you didn't make the team in the 8th grade. You got cut. Uh, I remember well how
3: that upset you. Okay, okay, fine. Maybe it was the 7th grade. I mean, geez, what, what do you guys want me to do? Take a freaking polygraph oh, here? Oh, boy.
1: Uh, I, I have our 7th grade annual somewhere around here. My uh, place, I can uh, check to see if you, you hold the record for that, uh, school record for, what do you say, 42 points? Um, <laughs> um,
8: you
3: suck! Um, well, maybe it could have been 22 points and, it, you know, maybe it wasn't the all-time school record, it could have been just for that season.
6: Uh, y- you know what, Caller, if I could jump in here, what kind of guy was Spud in those days? Like, was he well thought of by his peers?
1: Uh, the Spud Goodman I knew
6: didn't spend
3: much time with the other kids. You pretty much was a dick, am I right, Spud? Well, I, I don't really know about being a dick. I think that's a little harsh, but, you know, I mean, yeah, most of the kids at school got on my nerves. I mean, that was no secret. Everybody kind of knew my take on that, and I, I was selective in who I spent time with. But, hey, it was really nice that you took time out of your little life to call into the show. I just want to thank you so much, okay, and uh, have a nice life, okay? all right. hey, hey no. don't cut me off. Well, I, I still have some stuff
1: no,
6: to say. No, I, 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 no, I, uh, we're good. So, yeah. Anyway, Hey, hey uh, caller, before you go... Uh, he's, uh, mess- he's, he's gone. I, I, Is he gone? I, I, I want I him accidentally to dropped the call. I accidentally dropped the call, so it's my bad.
3: Anyway, um, uh. but do you want me to go all Columbo on your old friends from school? Bring, bring them on
6: the show? How would that make you feel? Um, I think it'd be actually... Yeah, yeah, but why did you hang up on him? Well, it was, accident. It was an accident. Listen, I would love to hear from some of my old pals from my younger years. I could send you names and phone numbers. Oh, but you know what? I gotta say, they would get such a kick out of being on a radio show.
0: They are complete pathetic maggots.
6: I'm not letting any of your old
3: buddies uh, on this show. Talk about putting people to sleep. Who the hell cares about stories? You know about your time in like the 4-H club, hey. showing off? You know some innocent animal at county fairs
6: just to win a flipping ribbon well you know what I did excel in the 4-H Spud and it was a very special moment in my life no no jokes about the 4-H please oh
4: really Gerald did you own a cow or or a sheep
6: well actually I had a show guinea pig
7: that's so hot
6: nice all right I'm
3: Spud Goodman be all that you can be and I mean that God bless and ciao
7: bye-bye
3: once again here is spirit award
0: David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville. Executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Associate producer and video director T.J. Pites. Production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spotts and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2018 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.